Okay, folks, it's back. I'm serious. You thought it wasn't going to be back, but it's back. And you thought we weren't going to be back, but we're back. Is it a coincidence? We're back. The Premier League is back. Let's do this. Just, just the excitement, the energy. Oh, this uh, this podcast is brought to you by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things technology. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am, even though I, I, I do have reservations about the season returning because of uh, COVID nineteen and how uh, incredibly harsh it was on uh, the entire globe, actually. Uh, but the Premier League is back. Uh, much against what I thought was right, uh, and I'm just gonna live it. I'm, you know what? If it's back, I'm excited. Uh, football is back to me at this point, and and the excitement of the fact that there are some races that are still not done. The the relegation race is not done. The uh, top four is not done. Eh. The top two is done, pretty much. Uh, I think Liverpool is going to wrap it up in, over the next few days. But this is as exciting as it possibly can get, honestly. Uh, the, the anticipation, it's like you've been quarantined from football this whole time. And all of a sudden, it's back. And shops are open. And that means that I could have a drink while I'm watching my football. And I'm not watching FIFA, basically, simulating games. I'm actually watching real things. Listen, this is exciting. And today, I'm joined by guests, and guests that are going to help me break down the two matches of the week. It's very rare that you get a, a, a start of the week like this, where you have two big games uh, in two separate days. So tomorrow, we are anticipating that Arsenal and Manchester City are going to be a really, really good, they're going to have a good go at it. So we're really excited for that. What we're also excited for, and, and this is a big one for me because honestly, I thought that me and the guest that I was going to have uh, on the United side, we're going to end up going to this game and Corona happened. So now we get to watch it from our homes. So it's exciting. You guys are in for a really great show. I have... Um, guests that are going to help me break down the two games like i said uh we're going to go obviously into a little bit of more on what football it feels like returning and we're also going to discuss um a lot about the, the business of football itself so this episode is uh marked as the first episode of the third season but the third season really is something that i'm really looking forward to i've been planning it for weeks and weeks and now i've had the opportunity to finally launch it so sit back relax and really really enjoy the show and i thank you very very much for joining me today We're going to start this a little bit different than what we normally did. If you ever listened to my podcast in the past, um, it was kind of like a one-on-one kind of thing. And maybe I had a guest every now and then. 
but this time, actually, we are uh, going to break down the two big matches, like I said before. We're going to break down the United versus Spurs match, uh, and then we're going to break down the Arsenal versus City match. And I do have guests coming for each of the teams. Uh, some of them are uh, renowned journalists. Uh, some of them are fans. Uh, some of them have worked in football for a while, so they have more than just the football background about it. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to start with the game uh, that's happening first, which is Arsenal versus Manchester City. And we're going to start with the uh, Manchester City point of view, uh, since they are ahead in the standings. Uh, and that's what I'll do also with the other match. Right from Manchester. Stormy day over there, isn't it, man? It is. We've got wind, rain, and thunder, and lightning, and everything. It's it's like you know, it, it's the opening ceremony, I would say, of the Premier League. <laughs> That's it. Coming back with a bang, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of coming back, good segue. Uh, you've done this before, obviously. <laughs> Talk to me about the Premier League coming back. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people that want it to come back. There are a lot of people that have had reservations about coming back, and you know, with COVID being a, a big part of everybody's life now. Where do you stand on the league coming back? Yeah, it's a strange one. I've got to say, I think overall I'm excited for it to come back. Obviously, I'd much rather be in the stadium myself watching the game, but that's not possible. So you've got to just take your wins where you can. Um, I mean, I'm currently out of work at the moment because of the situation, because I work in hotels, so it's something to look forward to. Um, so watching the football on TV tonight is something to, you know, a bit of a highlight for me, especially with, you know, it being a big game against Arsenal. I think with City fans it's been tough because we aren't playing for anything at the moment in the league really. Um, Champions League is quite safe we think and um, obviously we're not going to catch Liverpool for the title. So it is more of a, an experiment to see what happens with the players and how they come back. But overall I'm excited to watch football again. So do you think that you're, you're in a position now as a club to play spoilers rather than anything else? Um, yes, um, I think we can do. We can... Um, I do think it's important that they will try and not let um, Liverpool get that that um, that hundred point lead, um, hundred point um, hundred point season like we had. Yeah. So they are going to try and battle for that. Obviously, we play them ourselves in a couple of weeks, um, and also they won't want a big embarrassing lead. But there is a chance to bring through some youngsters. I mean, Foden could do with some minute time. Um, there's a guy called Cole Palmer who's just come through too, who Pep's very impressed with, and the likes of Tommy Doyle. So there's a lot of youngsters there that hopefully get some game time. There's a good chance to to kind of get ready for next season and, and, and see what we're looking like. So it's, speaking of players, um, with the, with this whole break and everything, have you heard anything on your end about the chemistry of the players and everything? Personally, I did not hear much about any speculations or any issues um, on the city side, but what have you heard? Yeah, well, um, I know Pep said that the players haven't got injuries, but whether they're 100% match fit, um, is, is an issue but I think that's the same all the way around for all the clubs having a big break obviously there's a situation with Sane who's um, looking more and more likely to go to Bayern Munich so he's now fully fit for the first time this year so whether he'll get game time or not but overall the squad at City they've, got, they've always got quite a good bit of um, chemistry between them they all have to laugh and a joke together so I think they're sounding quite positive and I think the fitness is just going to have to wait and see when they turn up tomorrow I mean you guys are you're as a club your bench is deep your first team is very deep so it's going to be very very hard to pick an 11 but if I had to put you on the spot how do you think you're going to line up tomorrow it is a tough one I mean trying to pick a pep team at the best of times is, is tough but after a female break with no injuries it's even harder um, obviously the keeper's quite straightforward with Edison he's got, he'll be in there 
Um, there's a thought that Stones is injured, so I'd say it'd be Walker, Laporte, Fernandino and Mendy at the back, but it could, it could be Stones if he's fit. Um, I think the other three are quite solid if, if Laporte's back to fitness. The midfield is a guessing game. Um, I'd like to see Self, Rodri, uh, David Silva and KDB in, as a three in midfield. Obviously, it's David Silva's last... Um, last season with City so if he plays every game that'd be great because you know we're going to miss him when he's gone but of course I'd love to see Foden in there, in there as well so we'll have to wait and see and a front three I've gone for Aguero, Sterling and Silva Bernardo Silva but again that could be you know I could have three out of three wrong there you could have Sane, Jesus and Mares there so you just you know it's very hard to pick but that's my, my guesswork So Arteta spent some time uh, obviously working under Pep and for the most part, what I've seen this season from Arteta is that he tends to play almost the same way as Pep. Obviously, Pep is a master of just really changing yeah. his strategy at the drop of a hat. But, um, but they're both playing possession football. Um, how do you think Arsenal is going to react to Pep in general? Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's tough to see. I mean... Um Obviously, Arteta knows Pep inside out, and Pep knows Arteta the same. So, you know, it could be quite a lot of mind games going on. Um, I think Pep tends to just play how he plays. Um, Arsenal have looked better under Arteta since he's, since he's been there, but they've always got that, that kind of, you know, weakness at the back. Um, great attacking players, but you never know how strong they're going to be. Um, the weather could help, help City as well, with it being quite a, a stormy day. You know, Arsenal never seems to turn up for the, the messy games. So, it's hard to tell, but I do think that um, Pep should come through, but Arteta will, you know, it will, be, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. You guys, the last time I think you played each other was December 15th, and it was a great day for you, a horrible day for Arsenal. Um, I think KDB, if I remember correctly, scored two, and Sterling scored yeah. one. Where do you think this is going from a result perspective? I think it'll be tighter than it was then. I mean, we do have a good result against, uh, good, good results against Arsenal over the last few years. Quite a lot of decent, a lot of three nils and stuff. Um, but I think with us coming back, I know we've noticed in the Bundesliga that um, home advantage isn't the same. Obviously, with there being no fans there, so it will make it a bit tighter. Um, I reckon it could be possibly three one to City, but I'd say it'll be tight till the end. So maybe two one till the eighty fifth, eighty sixth minute, and then maybe just one just to, to round it off towards the end. And who do, who do you think is who do you think your star is going to be tomorrow? I know it's really hard to pick that one because you haven't seen anybody play in almost three months. No, no. I mean, if you're going to go with your your standards, KDB is going to. You think he's just he's, he's always going to be good and he's going to be raring to get back. Aguero, if I had to bet on a, a goal scorer, it'd be Aguero because he turns up for the big games and you know, I think I think he'll he'll be looking good. So yeah, so KDB Aguero, but again, you, know, you don't know what team Pep's going to pick. Never mind. Uh, he's gonna start, so we'll just have to wait and see. So here you have it. We gotta get the other side though, right? So a dear friend of mine actually gave me some of his time, Sayed Farouk. Um, he'll introduce himself, obviously. I'm not gonna take that away from him, but uh, man, it's so glad to have you on this. I am joined by a very, very special guest, and it's a special guest for a number of reasons. One, because he's he's of Egyptian descent like me, so uh, we have we have the Nile in our blood. 
The other reason why this guy is special is because he's an Arsenal fan. And I promise myself I'm going to limit my, my Arsenal fans on this show, but the guy is a very, very dear friend of mine. And the last time I saw him, we had dinner in New York. And, and say it, it was a good dinner, but you still have to take me out to dinner in London after this corona thing, man. Of course, mate. Of course. You know, you're, you're just doing the presentation and I'm just sitting here laughing. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the clash of clans. Oh. Them, you know, in, in, in a one podcast. Come on, man. That's, that's, that's epic. I know. It's gonna, it, the, the podcast is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. I know. Um, well, you don't have to worry about Spurs this week. You you have to worry about Manchester City. Um, no, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm just warming up to Spurs seriously, just because of Mourinho's there. Because you know I, I've worked with him, and he's a very nice guy. So, I, you did work in Manchester United. Do you want to take a couple of minutes just to give everybody uh, a background on uh, what you used to do there? Yeah, um, I used to be the uh, IT operation manager and the um, DPT head of IT. Uh, I used to look after all the um, everything in operation in IT at the club. So that means academy, uh, stadium, uh, retail, uh, back office, the other sites like training grounds, etc., etc. So that basically everything in operation used to be my, you know, as from application side of view, used to be my responsibility plus the responsibility of being. A deputy head of IT there. Um, obviously, met a lot of legends and you know players, people. Um, people are lovely there. Love every bit of it. Um, but was uh, it was time for me to uh, to move on? So um, yeah, I just become uh, a consultant now. I consult different clubs in different regions. Um, I do uh, technology assessments for different football clubs and sport organizations. So that's basically what I do. Man, I mean, I respect I respect the whole Manchester side, Manchester United side of you uh, because obviously I'm, I don't hate Manchester United as a Spurs fan. I actually have a lot of friends that that are Manchester United fans. Um, but I want to talk about specifically Arsenal and the fact that you know, forget the fact you know we're, we're going to get to the match, but from a mental standpoint. What do you think the effect was of this stop, considering the fact that you were grinding out some decent results towards the end before the stop? Do you think that this stop has affected any of the players mentally or the dressing room, especially with Obama Yang? Nobody knows if he's staying or not. What 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 have you been hearing on your end? Uh, let's be honest. The COVID impacted everyone. Okay, but the... Well, the way I see it, um, and I see it from a very optimistic point of view, to be honest, it's uh, it's about it's about getting the time off to check off all the whatever happens during the season, changing the manager, changing the mentality. The manager himself got the COVID, the, you know, firsthand, um, you know. But the boys, you know, the boys did really well in the in the lockdown. They participated in so many things, and you know, get into the training. Also, the um, the positive side of it, from maybe a different um, aspect, is they um, 
is the, the injured players that we had. We had so many of them uh, before the break. And, you know, everybody got a chance to get back on their feet, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's great. So, so, so do, you it's, think, do you think that the, the impact actually was positive on the squad overall? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Nice. It's, um, yeah, we had a good time to break and sink and, you know, see what we're going to do and also manage our own expectation because now we're, right now we're on the ninth, um, you know, we're ranked ninth, ninth on the Premier League uh, table. So, um, yeah, when you have a break, you only have about, what, five points between you and the, and the, the, the fourth or the fifth. So it's, uh, it's, it's not bad. It's not looking bad. We still can do Europe as well. So, you know, we still have nine matches to go. So it's, it's great, man. So let's talk, about, let's talk about one of the matches that you have coming up, which is tomorrow. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, probably it's today. Manchester City. I don't think anybody really wanted to come back from the break and play them or Liverpool. But you are in this position. <laughs> So, what are your thoughts on the match tomorrow? And then take me into your brain when you start thinking about maybe a starting lineup and how you may think your team may come out. Okay, so there's there's two sides of the coin here. The the non the non optimistic one is oh I'm coming back to Manchester City and it's a very hard game and it's difficult etc etc yeah and the optimistic side of it is. Probably if you're going to catch somebody really strong like Manchester City, like they're not warmed up, they're not back in the in the in the in the zone, you know, you know what I mean? So it's basically just right out of the gates, uh, nothing nobody's comfortable with match fitness, you might as well catch them now. Absolutely. Uh, you know that uh, I like to be optimistic anyway. But you never know, you know, it's Arsenal. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. He's saying it. Don't come at no, me, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're a Tottenham fan as well, so yeah, they do exactly the same thing. I think it runs in the. It's something in the water in North London. <laughs> it's um, so true. Yeah, seriously, man. They both do some really bizarre results sometimes. But you know, out of that bizarre kind of approach. They might do. They might do it and beat Manchester City. You never know. That's true. So, yeah. talk to me about where you think you may line up. Do you? Who do you? Th- who do you? Who do you see yourself like actually coming out in like that are guarantees to you from a lineup perspective? I think uh, Leno is in in goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Opa on the left. Pepe uh, on the right. The Places where we don't have the exact player, I mean, like not 100%, is probably the, the middle of the midfield. Um, and I think it, you know, Ozil is always there. He's gonna, always going to be there. Um, but um, Spice is doing really well on the midfield. I think he's going to be, you know, next to someone else. I mean, it's either Torero. Or maybe one of the youngsters. I'm not entirely sure, but these these are the the, the, the places that I think that we're gonna line up like that. Because Uba, you can you can just deny him. It's it's absolutely he's absolutely lethal, man. Right. Um, but you know, Luca, uh, Luca. I think Luca. 
I think Luca can start in the middle, you know, instead of um, Nikita. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure because, you know, Arteta likes to keep the ball. Manchester City likes to keep the ball. So I, I, I think he's going he's gonna to put someone who actually can keep it. Someone like Luca, he's really strong, he keeps the ball. Um, yeah, that's, a, that, that's just my gut feeling. So let's talk about gut feelings now. What is yeah. your gut feeling about how Manchester City might come out and play you guys? You said, you, you mentioned, you know, they like to keep the ball. And, and everybody knows that, right? Um, mm. the, biggest, the biggest issue, I think, with any team usually playing against Manchester City is they know how City are going to play. There's probably not going to be a surprise on how Guardiola comes out with his team and, and, and the mentality of the team. How do you... How do you think Arteta is going to look at that and counter that from his side? Don't dismiss the fact that Arteta used to be an insider when in Manchester City and he knows a lot about them. Right. So I think he, he will just focus on... He's going to try and pressurize them in, in their own half. That's just my gut feeling. But you never know. There's so many details that you can't just uh, predict it. Because Guardiola is the baby's... Is bad. He might come up with any different plans at any point of time, but I think Arteta will read it very quickly. Or else the match will go away from him very, very quickly too if he doesn't do that. Of course, but it's all about the first 15 minutes. If City scores in the first 15 minutes, forget it. You have to keep yourself safe for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then you can start to do something about the game. So, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. I need a score prediction. I would, yeah, I was, I was dreading that question. <laughs> Can I give you two? Sure. Give me your heart and give me your brain. Okay. My heart says one nil Arsenal scored in the last ten minutes. My brain says two nil City, and we just going to be thankful if we there are only two. And with that, we'll. Um, start taking a look now on the second game um you know when you record a podcast you uh you try to get some guests and and everybody's in different time zones uh i am very fortunate and lucky in my life to um have acquaintances and friends in different time zones uh the next one uh marcus fuchs is a uh, fan from london uh born in north london uh and he's a tottenham fan and I was able to reach out to him earlier and get a lot of his opinions on the start of the season, uh, uh, how the Spurs game is going to go from him uh, or, you know, from his point of view and, and where we're going to go with that. So uh, here's a little bit of the recording of how that went down. I'm here joined with uh, a very special Spurs fan, Marcus Fuchs. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know it's a little bit late, but, you know, you taking the time. I really, really appreciate this and I appreciate you being on the podcast. So let's talk about the dilemma, right? Uh, everybody had their own opinions on should the season start? Should it not start? Um, as a Spurs fan, me personally, uh, it's one of those things where uh, from a danger situation, I really didn't want the players to start, but having the opportunity to come back in the, in the tail end of the season and actually have everybody healthy you can't take that away from the equation, right? So if we're going to start, we might as well start all healthy. 
But what were your thoughts basically coming into this as, you know, the season starts kicking again? I mean, the first thing I'd say, a few Spurs fans have been saying this, is that if the Premier League football is being suspended a week before, Tottenham would still be in the Champions League and the FA Cup. I think it's going to be very strange for match-going fans to watch their club on TV. But ultimately, it doesn't really. What happens to me doesn't really matter. Ultimately, the game's economics dictate that football has to restart. And so the reality is that if this is the best we can get for three months, then that then that's the situation. On a Spurs level, the squad is better. This season has been a nightmare. Um, I can't say I'm looking forward to the game on Friday night, but. This is the best Spurs 11 available before lockdown and now once we've reached the game. So let's talk about that Spurs 11, right? Um, what are your thoughts on who's actually going to start? Uh, they did just played a game against Norwich. The first teamers actually, you know, finished 1-0. Uh, and then the youth and the, and the bench started getting introduced just to give them some minutes. But what do you envision as a starting 11? Um, what I envision what I think should happen is slightly different. What I envision what happen will be Luis in goal, uh, Davis, Aurea, Uldevalo, and so Tanganga is moving to pick up an injury, he would have been in the team. Yeah. But I think it will be Uldevalo and Sanchez, that would be the back four. I think Ungombele and the Celso will sit behind uh, Ali, Son, Bergwijn and Kane. All right. Uh, honestly, my lineup is not that different than yours at all. I, I do, th- I do see that you know, uh, uh, Lo Celso definitely playing a big, uh, big role here. Um, from what I understand, though, Ali actually might be suspended for the match. Uh, oh, no, Danny, uh, sorry, no, Danny Ali is suspended. So, uh, sorry, I haven't been thinking clearly. Uh, <laughs> so right. I think the Celso will be pushed forward, and then uh, Eric Dyer will probably join. Yeah. That's what, I'm, that's, that's what I'm thinking as well. I, I think that's actually a pretty decent lineup. From, from, a, from a perspective of match fitness and everything, obviously, you know, it, it plays both ways, right? It's not like United were playing, you know, 50, 60 matches before us and, and they're in tip-top shape and they're going to come and, like, you know, slam us all over the place from a fitness perspective. How do you see this game playing out against a, a prospective United team that we really, I mean... Who really knows about it? And and we'll have another segment actually with one of uh, one of the guests from Manchester United. But like a lot of the questions that I usually have about Manchester United's team is like, who are you going to play? And where does Pogba fit? And if Pogba doesn't fit, like what's the chemistry of the team? But let's focus on us, right? Like what is the chemistry of our team? What have you seen from all the you know trainings, from all the articles that are coming out? Do you think that this team mentally is prepared for something like this? I think from a mental perspective, this is a big game for Jason Mourinho uh, against Man United. So I was at the game at, at Old Trafford. It was kind of bizarre to think that we were fortunate to only lose 2 1. I think it's a big game mentally. Jason Mourinho will definitely have the players after it. There's been a lot of conversation about uh, how Mourinho has a special game plan for this game. And he's going to show up Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just a little bit of mind games. He was saying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not really fit to be Man United manager. There's obviously a personal connection to the world. So I do think Spurs will be up for it. My problem is that Bruno Fernandes and uh, Paul Pogba is a midfield. I, I think that they could potentially exploit what is a brutal uh, Tottenham team. And I think that ultimately it's a question of whether Spurs can negate their quality rather than the other way around. And that, that's kind of a strange thing because over recent years it's been Spurs that have competed at the top of the 
and actually for the first time in a while I'm saying we need to stop Man United rather than Man United stopping us. That's actually a very fair point. Um, let's talk about some players in the back because you, you mentioned that the back is a little bit brittle. Uh, we talked about, you know, we everybody heard about, you know, Vertonghen and, and what's going on with him. And, you know, you, you can't help but think that he was a soldier for us. He, he really put in more than uh, the equivalent fare of, of work that was asked for him throughout the years. What are your thoughts about him possibly at this point being marginalized and not extended? So I'd like to say Jan Vertonghen is the best defender I've seen at Spurs since Lenny King. Uh, he's been integral in everything that's made Spurs better. I've been to over 300 games in Spurs and Vertonghen is the best defender I've seen. But football can't be romantic and ultimately his performances this season haven't been up to standard. And so it's not up to Jose Mourinho to romanticise about what Vertonghen once was. He can only deal with the product that he currently has. And that's kind of the nature of football. Tottenham are a charity, and as brutal as it sounds, we shouldn't be keeping players that aren't going to be good enough. And sadly, the Tottenham's time at Spurs is coming to an end. And on a more, and on a more optimistic note, uh, Tanganga looks very well suited to the Premier League. So we do have someone there who I think can do an adequate job. And so, although it's a shame, and although I'm very thankful to Ian Tottenham, it is the right footballing decision that he has played his last game for Tottenham. Yeah, Tanganga actually, I think, is going to be one for the future. And, I mean, he's solid now. He can definitely play at the highest levels in the Premier League. Could you just imagine getting him with two, three more years of experience under his belt? I think he's going to be one of England's best defenders, I think. No, I'm very optimistic about him. Um, the other thing I, I just think with the Tonga is that he was selfless at Spurs, and maybe that cost him a career at friends of like he would often drift out and have to play left back. Um, so I think, you know, we have to be frank, I don't want to come across as ungrateful because this is somebody who's a tremendous defender, but it's not up to Tottenham to renew beyond where Jan Vertonghen should be. And it's also up to Tottenham to make sure that Tanganga has the right experiences and the right opportunities. And that ultimately means that someone like Vertonghen needs to be replaced or no longer play on the side. That's fair. So last question before I let you go. Uh, really, really enjoyed, by the way, you know, the seven plus minutes that we've had. I, I really want to have you again on the show and, and thank you very much for your time. But I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Score. Uh, I can't go against Tottenham. I think we'll win 2-1. I think that as long as Tottenham stop Man United from controlling the game, it will be okay because ultimately their defense isn't that good. And just as a final note, I'd be intrigued to hear if your Man United fan thinks the same. I think Gary De is a vastly overrated goalie at the moment. And just, I would be struck in dress and shooting on the side that whole game because I think he had mistakes all throughout the season, first game back. I wouldn't be trusting him in between my posts. So I just wanted to end the call on that. I don't tell him more though. 2-1, Tottenham win. Marcus, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, this has been extremely valuable and extremely fun, and we have to do this again. So, we're going to finish the show this week. Um, a lot of work has been done on this, uh, so thank you all for listening to this point, but... I have to say that we're going to finish it on, on a really, really good note. Uh, we're going to talk about Manchester United, and there's really not many uh, people out there that 
uh, I personally like to talk about Manchester United with for the simple fact that the knowledge level is just out the window, man. He, he, you know, the, my next guest is probably going to need no introduction, but I might as well do it. Tom McDermott. Tom, I know you're all united, man, but we might go into <laughs> different things every now and then. But the purpose of the call is united. So I, I, I'll preface you with that. How are you doing, man? No problem. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to speak to you, mate. So been for a long time now. Oh, it's been very long, man. I can't wait for you to come here. This whole Corona thing, by the way, messed up our summer. You know that, right? <laughs> You're telling me. You're telling me. But <laughs> I, I'm guessing actually where you are, whether it's east, west coast, uh, some part of of Africa, that the weather is a lot kinder to you, mate, than it is me. So yeah, it's um, probably slightly more tricky for us over here in the UK because the the warm days we do get are probably once every seven days. So we'll take it while we can. <laughs> I'm in Florida, so it's warm every day. Oh, well, there you go. What, what, what a kick in the uh, Yeah. <laughs> kick, kick me when I'm down. Oh, man. All right. So let's, let's, let's talk about the return, actually, the Premier League. I want to start with that first. A lot of thoughts about should it be returned, should it not be returned. Where do you come in this? I think um, it's a very tricky tricky subject to, to talk about and that's probably me stating the obvious we've seen though the Bundesliga uh, Syria and La Liga manage to get things off and running and, and, and with relative safety so there's a good guide there for what the Premier League can do they've also done some extensive testing there's been three or four rounds of testing and in each time the tests have, have taken place the uh, numbers of infected people or staff members of football clubs is reduced so I think first and foremost they've done or, or are, are working, you know, with the best intentions and using all the sort of, um, you know, medical medical tools available to, them to make pe- people and the players and, and those surrounded with football clubs safe. So I think, yep. I think secondly, obviously we know there's going to be no supporters in the stadiums at the moment, and there's going to be limited media coverage in terms of actually people at these stadiums. So very much looking forward to it. It looks like. Touchwood, they've done all they can from a safety perspective, and now it's going to be a case of, you know, let's see what happens. I think what what will be interesting, and I hope this doesn't happen, is if a key player within one of the squads gets it. So, you know, you look at Tottenham and, and Harry Kane, or if Jack Grealish gets it, Aston Villa, who are fighting for for relegation. If one of these guys gets it, then we we might have a separate problem in our hand. But if you know, somebody said made a good point the other day and said, "What happens if two or three players of one squad pick up the, the virus? Then what happens? Do you get your, you know, your under seventeen team to fulfil the fixtures?" It's like playing so with I, the youth. It's like playing with the youth, isn't it? Like you're put in that situation. Could, yeah, I mean, so hopefully this doesn't happen. So far, so good in other parts of Europe, but each country and each the virus has has affected people in different ways. So so let's wait and see. But the early signs are good and. Very, very much looking forward to, to seeing some some football action this week. All right, so let's talk about the football action this week. And this is uh, this is a fixture actually that I think we were planning on going to at some point. Uh-huh. Don't, don't uh, call me when you win, will you? Yeah, um, I, we could talk about that later. But talk to me about the starting eleven. Uh, as, 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 as a Tottenham fan, I, I sit down and I look at my team, and I could kind of generally tell you what my starting 11 is going to be what are what is yours i think we look the the big thing for united fans is 
the um, return or potential return of Paul Pogba. Pogba, on his day, he's, he's a world-class player, probably the most gifted player in the squad. But un- unfortunately for him and fortunately for, for United fans, he, that in we signed Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon, who adds um, everything that Pogba does, and, and probably question marks have been raised over Pogba for most of this season. I think he's only played sort of eight, maybe not even eight times. So we need the, we need him back on the, on the pitch, but but at the same time we need him back in the pitch and playing as part of a team. And we were in good form as a Manchester United fan. We were in good form going into or ahead of, before the, the break for the coronavirus, we beat Manchester City at, at Old Trafford. There were signs that Solskjaer had really refined and started to develop a culture and, and a team ethic that you know went above and beyond just the ability factor. So if, if Pogba can return and play um, as part of the team, fit into the system, buy into the culture that Solskjaer is developing and his staff is developing there's other talented players there now like Bruno Fernandes as the base led by Harry Maguire you've got David De Gea in goal there are small signs that listen United aren't going to win the league in the next few seasons but there are signs that they're heading in the right direction uh, in terms of starting 11 Solskjaer especially against the bigger teams and, and I include Tottenham in that he does seem to pl- play with two sort of defensive minded midfielders in front of his back four to protect Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire so I expect or I imagine that you'll see Nemanja Matic maybe and, and Fred sat in front of a, of a back four of Wan-Bissaka Lindelof Maguire and Brandon Williams uh, he may even go three at the back which he did against Manchester City but I, I do expect a, a defensive base especially against Tottenham and um, relying on the returning Marcus Rashford and, and Martial to, to partner up with Fernandes in that attacking third to really to really ask some questions, I think. So the big question mark in terms of starting, you, you'll, see, you'll hear it all week, uh, will be Pogba, what's he going to do with Pogba? I, I fully expect Pogba to be on the bench, actually, and uh, United to stick with a similar eleven that they play against Manchester City and won. So let's talk about Pogba. Um, I'm going to remind you of a conversation that we had uh, on one of your podcasts, and I'm going to remind you that I was in the airport and I was getting yelled at by security uh-huh. as we were doing it. <laughs> yeah. Chemistry is going to be key here because you really have a month of of football, right? A month of spending yeah. time with each other and then playing and then expecting to get results, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think that the, the squad's harmony is right now, the chemistry, including Pogba in the dressing room? I think... Everything I hear and speak to people at the club at United about Paul Pogba is very positive about him. He, he trains well. He he's eating all the right things. He uh, he's, he's you know he's not disruptive in training, and that kind of goes against some of the other rumours. Where so we have to be careful. And, and I've pointed the finger at him before before Pogba. Oh, sorry, before the coronavirus uh, in sort of February March time, United were playing. Um, very well there was it was a happy camp Bruno Fernandes had obviously come in and, and given everybody a lift so if Pogba wants to play well and uh, sorry play and, and gain that 11 then he's got to got to fit in with that and play as well if not better than the other guys that are in front of him now for me if Pogba is unhappy and he doesn't want to leave then the best thing for Paul Pogba to do is to play well for Manchester United because if he plays well for Manchester United whether United are playing at the top end of the league, middle of the league, or the lower half of the league, it doesn't matter. Manchester United is Manchester United. So if he's having a good game for Manchester United, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, whoever, are going to see him playing, dictating games, and then that'll probably be the quickest way for him to secure a departure, if indeed that's what he wants to do. So by actually sitting out and um, listening to his agent, 
and, and not playing as often as he, as he probably should, that's probably causing him more problems because also he's, he's creating a bit of a division with the fans as well because what the fans see is a player of unbelievable talent but who isn't delivering and who isn't delivering on a consistent basis. People have pointed to his stats of, of last season um, but a lot of those were penalty kicks and a lot of his assists came against teams that I wouldn't call big teams or top six teams. So Popper is a player and a player with incredible talent but if you look at Bruno Fernandes, who United have signed. We've got a player there who has the great talent, but he also has the work rate, and he looks like he wants to be there and play for United. <laughs> Sometimes you don't always get that impression. But as I say, off the field, around the training ground, everything I've heard about Pogba is it has been positive and, and has been for the last couple of years. It's just a question of what his agent, Mina Rayola, has in store for him. So you, you mentioned a couple of players that I've personally been knocking um, publicly even uh, for United because I don't think that they're playing at their top form, number one. Number two, I also think that they're not as good as everybody thinks they are, and I'm probably going to get knocked on this, but I have to ask you, how comfortable are you with De Gea and Harry Maguire? Yeah, no, no, it's a good, it's a good point. I think Harry Maguire has... Harry, Harry Maguire is a very good central defender. He's not a world-class central defender. Would I say he's better than a fit and firing Alderweireld, for example? Um, possibly not. What he is good at, though, is he's grown into the role of captain and leader. He seems to be getting more comfortable with the Manchester United, uh, what's expected, the expectation level, but also the armband has, I think, taken him on to a new level. And when I say new level, I'm going to be careful. He's not a Virgil van Dijk because he doesn't have the pace. But there's something about him, maybe in the Steve Bruce mould. Harry Maguire is an excellent defender, or you know, very good defender. I wouldn't say he was world class, but if he's got pace around him, and, and with sort of Brandon Williams, Luke Shaw, if fit, and, and obviously Aaron Wambasaka around him, if he can get those guys to tuck in and support him, then you know he's he's he's, he's very useful to United. No, no getting about that. Would like to see him make more of an impact in the attacking third at corners and set pieces. Uh, there are signs that's improving again with Bruno Fernandes' arrival. But yeah, Harry Maguire, not by any means the best defender in the country or the Premier League, but one that is certainly growing into his uh, new role as captain of Manchester United. Don't forget, he's come from Leicester City. He's never played a game of Champions League football in his life, I don't think. You know, uh, or, or may have may have played a couple. Uh, somebody who, who listens to this will correct me, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So he's played in a World Cup. Not many games England played, and then without top-level European football experience, and all of a sudden he's captain of Manchester United. So that's a challenge for him. David De Gea, without doubt, David De Gea over the last two years, his level has uh, dropped somewhat. He was, I, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the world. But I think that there was an interesting interview with another journalist on another United, the Manchester United um, uh, podcast. When, when he was at his best, there was talk of him being sold. And the journalist said that, Actually, they should sell him because although he's really good at shot stopping and, and making saves with his hands and his feet, he's not great at commanding his area and he's not great at playing out from the back in, in a way that Allison or um, Edison can do. He, he's not he's not capable of doing that as well. So there are flaws in his game. That said, you know he, he's, he's he's shot stopping and he's you know even with his feet and his arms he's superb. But there are question marks about his commanding his area and he's playing out from the back. And in general, over the last two years, there has been a dip in his form, and he's not certainly not the keeper he was. 
Yeah, it's fair. Because I see that too, especially coming out of the World Cup. He really didn't have a great World Cup, right? And, yeah. um, and, and that sort of carried into the beginning of the season. Now, he was helped by the fact that the, the back line of, uh, of Manchester United actually during this season protected him greatly um, to an extent. But when, when they do get broken through, he's completely exposed. And you're right. He does not know how to command the back line or his area. He's a good shot stopper, but he's not more of a, he's not a, a, a Guardiola, Guardiola um, a keeper in a sense, right? In terms of playing from the back and actually being able to handle the ball to his feet. Yeah, he's 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 not great at that, and you know, like, like you mentioned there, he's giving him a one-on-one or a, or a shot. There was a game at, uh, against Spurs uh, at uh, Wembley where you probably should have won, and he made eight or nine, maybe even ten ridiculous saves with his hands and his feet. Yeah. Um, but then you know, there's games this season where he's come for crosses, he's not quite taken them, and I think the Everton game springs to mind I don't know why I'd have to look that up but there's been a couple of games where he's come for cross he's not quite taken things and you've seen keepers with lesser ability at the other end claim these crosses easily he just uh, it's almost a strength thing when he came to United remember he was very very weak yeah, I think they put had to put him on a special diet he looked like a almost like a, a schoolboy really thrown into a man's game what he, he did he was he was very sort of vulnerable and uh, Obviously, he's made significant improvements to, to several parts of his game, but I think, yeah, the sort of kind of in his areas, you say, and the playing out from the back and the use of his feet, he can kick it a long way, that's that, that's not in question, but it's just like you say, the passing and with the defenders comfortable to play the ball back to him, I'm not so sure. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Go on. Go ahead. What's the score? <sighs> Mourinho going to lose to United twice in one season? I'm, I'm not sure that he will, you know. Um, I think you guys have obviously got a couple of injured. Deli Ali's missing, isn't he? For other reasons, I, I think the game it'll probably end in a one-one draw. I think that United might get out of the blocks pretty quickly, uh, but I think that Spurs will uh, may overpower them as, as the game goes on. I think that I think Mourinho. It's interesting with Mourinho because he, he had a lot of excuses to to call upon at Manchester United when he was there. But I think at Spurs, he was left a pretty good squad I think probably a better squad if we're being honest than, than what he had at Manchester United and he's been a bit up and down so he'll want to get off to a good start but so will Solskjaer and I think no fans in the stadium I think that'll be a bit of a, a bit of a leveller so I'm going to say a 1-1 draw um, very much City on the fence but I do, I do think it'll be a draw because I think that both sides the, the, the message I think if, you, if you're Solskjaer and you look at United's fixtures after Tottenham if he can go on one of those little ridiculous runs that he seems to be able to pull together from time to time and United could quite easily get the top four. So for, for me, if we could come away with a draw, be superb. Spurs slightly behind us, which I, I find a bit strange, um, and probably need the win. Well, definitely need the win more than United. So I'll, I'll say a draw, one-one. What yeah. about you? I, the problem calling this this game is that emotions and reality uh, are mixing here, right? Emotions uh-huh. are. I, I do think that Tottenham have a full squad. I do think that. Mourinho had the opportunity to actually work with the squad over the last month, something that he did not have when he basically got the job, right? So from that perspective, I think that Spurs are going to come out looking better than they were when the season kind of took its pause. I don't know what kind of United team is going to show up. Uh-huh. And that's where the factor is. If United are firing on all cylinders, kind of like when they, you know, kind of like when they they were 
when they were run, going on their their runs. There's, there's, it's gonna have. A, I'm, I think Spurs are gonna have a hard time beating them, and I think at that point a draw may be, may be worth it. If not, I think you could even nick it two one. But I, I think that Spurs winning the game is more contingent, in my opinion, on how United play rather than how Spurs play, because I think that Mourinho is gonna come out a little bit on the defensive side because that's just the way he is, and he's gonna, he's gonna really. Uh, count on his counterattack against United specifically because I think that if he is able to draw the back line specifically Harry Maguire who doesn't have pace a little bit up and then he can counter with pace that's how I think Spurs are going to be United but again that all depends on which kind of United team comes out if if a United team comes out and they're controlling the game you're not, we're not going to have that many opportunities to counter United. So, I think, yeah, you're right. One, one, one area that I've been quite impressed with is the, the defensive, whichever way he goes. I mean, he went kind of like three, uh, he went three at the back against Man City, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, he does, Solskjaer does change it around a little bit, does change it around, but I just, I just can't see how the team losing. I really can't. I think it'll be uh, just the desire not to lose that opening game. It's, it is almost like an opening game of the season pushed into the middle of a season and I just think no fans in the ground it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see how see how things are done it'll be it'll be, it'll be interesting so what you got you saying you think you think you, you're gonna make it 2-1 do you I'm gonna make it 2-1 you guys really yeah right okay well that's one for the listeners actually when was the last time Mourinho lost home and away in the same season to a team it was probably against Manchester City when he's at Manchester United but other than that I can't think of many Across Europe, Ooh, I'll look it up. That's a good question, though, for the, the guys who are listening, maybe. Yeah, I'll actually throw it out there before uh, before we uh, before I put out the podcast. I'm pretty sure City answers. beat United twice, home and away. Pretty sure they did. Um, but even when Liverpool used to come to Old Trafford against Mourinho's United, we we used to beat them. So yeah, it'll be. I'd, I'd be surprised um, if, if United won just because of that factor. Mourinho he rarely loses against the same side twice in in, in a season, but. I just think that just that you know that thing of getting going again and not wanting to lose. I think that it'll be a uh, it'll be interesting anyway. Are you looking forward to it? I am, and I'm not. I really didn't want the season to, to get played. I think I was very vocal about that. I think it's very very dangerous and it's putting a lot of people at risk. But football's back, <laughs> so yeah. so I'm happy again. I got something to watch. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I got something to watch. It's uh, it's been really, really, really boring, and nothing against the Bundesliga, but now it's starting to get back into gear. But it was also so boring coming out because here's the problem with the Bundesliga. Maybe this is this is for another podcast, right? The Spanish okay. league and the German league, Tom, are just over for the most part. Yeah. It's it, it, it's yeah. it's Dortmund versus Bayern and Bayern already is running away with it. There goes the German league. You look at the Spanish La Liga, it's Barcelona and Real Madrid and it's really not the matter of who's playing better. It's who's going to drop points over the next few weeks and the other person is going to win. You yeah. the the Premier League is interesting in the fact that Yes, the league is done, and everybody knows who's going to finish second at this point. But nobody knows who's finishing third and fourth, and yeah. nobody knows who's finishing fifth and sixth. Even, I mean, people, people, I, I, I don't know if they remember because you know 
nobody's looked at the table in a while. Sheffield United is still here, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we once upon a time, we, we everybody had written Leicester City off. I know Sheffield United aren't going to win the league, but, you know, European spot perhaps. Well, what did I tell you at the beginning of the year? I told you that Leicester was going to finish above United. Yeah, yeah, you know, you did, you did. And I told you, you that I told you they would also have a better defensive record than United. Yeah, well, given our start, that's not too hard. But yeah, you did. I'll give you that. One. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But if I'd have said to you at the beginning of the season, Mourinho would be the Spurs manager, what would you have said? What are you drinking? The beginning of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I want some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you happy with him? Then are you happy? Yeah. I. I, I look. It's. It... See, now I have to give him another three years because this one doesn't count, right? Right. So so the Mourinho three-year rule, now it's become a four-year rule thanks to COVID, which probably means he's probably going to get an, a year extension on his contract. I do, think, I do think that he's going to win something with Spurs simply because the guy just wins. I don't care if it's going to be an FA Cup. It could be a rogue uh, Euro- Europa League like he did with United. People, you know, United fans are so ungrateful for the most part. And I think it's more than the, 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 the newer fans. And when I say newer, I'm thinking anybody that is 25 years old and younger. Because he, he, Mourinho was successful at United. With the exception of winning the league, he's he won the Europa League. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, did he win the Super Cup? Um, no, no, no but he won. He, he won the FA Cup. He won the F, he won the League Cup. Yeah, he, we lost in the final the FA Cup to Chelsea, and he won obviously the Europa League, which was the first time in the club's history. Okay, so he was there for three years, and he finished second to Manchester City. Which, when he did finish second for Manchester City uh, against, uh, sorry, when he did finish second to Man City, won it. He said it was the greatest achievement in his career. And if you look at it now, <laughs> you'd take it, wouldn't you? <laughs> we'd take, we'd definitely take it. Yeah. 100%. So, so it's for- just the mess he leaves, though. You know, just the mess that he. Just the mess that he leaves things on, you know, if he pours petrol on the fire. Yeah, but let's let's be real. United have been a mess ever since Ferguson left. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And 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 also, let's be honest. Ferguson left at the right time because he knew that there was it was the end of the road for the team and the squad that he had. And he also was too old to rebuild a new squad. Mm -hmm. So he left at a good time too. So if if anything, Ferguson was very selfish in the last two, three years of his career because he was really thinking about himself and not the future of United. Um, it, it It's... Yes, yeah, Mourinho left a mess. Saw the trouble, didn't he? he did. But, yes, Mourinho left a mess, but also Mourinho won you silverware. Yeah. And who else since Alex Ferguson, actually, has won United silverware? Well, Van Gaal won the FA Cup, but obviously Mourinho was... Was, was was sniffing around, wasn't he, for the position? And, and Van Gaal was the, the kind of writing was on the wall just before Mourinho lost his go with Chelsea. But you're right. I mean, you know, the, the, the Davies Moist fan supporters amongst uh, out there, and I'm, I'm sure there's one or two will say that he won the uh, Community Shield. But yeah, you're right. Van Gaal won the FA Cup, the first trophy after Sir Alex Ferguson left, and, and Mourinho won the League Cup, the Europa League uh, with United. So, so are are we? From a from a from a silverware perspective, are we prepared to say that currently 
Jose Mourinho is the best manager post, not the best manager, no, the most successful manager successful, yeah. in United's history post Alex Ferguson. 100%, yeah. Well, it's fact, factual. Yeah, but then you talk to United fans and you think Mourinho was a disaster. Yeah, it's, but, if, but I think if you, if you, everywhere, I think, I mean, I read the other week that even behind the scenes, maybe not with the fans, but some of the, you know, board members in Milan, and he won the treble there, including the Champions League final, even there's a couple of people behind the scenes that weren't completely happy with him there. So I think wherever he leaves, he always leaves, it tends to leave with a, you know, bit of, bit of a sour taste in, in people's mouths. So he's, we'll see, but you're right. History suggests that he's going to leave with a trophy, I suppose. I, I, I'll take it. He could leave a mess afterwards. I'll take it. You know what? They can. Who call- was the last? Who, who was the last one? Was it Ramos? Oh boy! I knew this was coming up. No, uh, no, no, I'm not. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I think it was Ramos. The league it, cup wasn't it? It was Ramos. It was the league cup. It was Woodgate scoring that funky yeah, header. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you do a trophy, aren't you? Yeah, no, I'll be happy. Uh, and like I, uh, I was going to say, honestly, he can leave a mess. And we'll just call Mopo in to clean it up after he's done. <laughs> is he coming back, is he? <laughs> he wants to come back, and he deserves a job. Uh, he's, I love the guy. I love the guy from a personality perspective, but he's also one of those managers that's not proven. He hasn't won anything. You know, for all the accolades that everybody wants to give him, he reached the Champions League final by pure luck. Mm. That Ajax game? Mourinho or... No, uh, Mopo. Uh, I think think Pochettino at the end was lucky. And I think he was lucky because the squad that he was playing with was hampered. I mean, we we reached the semi... We reached the the final of the Champions League without Kane. And then he puts him in when, when he's not fully fit. But that was another conversation but yeah yeah so anyway i think he's gonna clean up the mess eventually i think he'll come back but i think this is Mourinho's Mourinho's last big job personally really i think after this he's probably gonna manage the portuguese national team and call it a day i was gonna say do you think he would yeah I do because I think that that's kind of like the last icing on the cake for him, and he could, if he could win a European title with the national team, then he solidifies himself as one of the greatest in in history, if not already. So yeah, I think no, it's interesting, interesting. But like we're saying, it all starts this weekend. It all starts this week, man. We're so psyched for it, even though a lot of us are are shocked that it's back. It's been a while. <laughs> so are you shocked that he's back? Yes. Really, okay. I, I don't. I don't understand how you can still have restrictions in the UK, but still allow football to carry on because it's still a gathering of twenty-two people on a field. Yes, it's outside. Yeah, but I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to say there needs to be social distancing in a box in a corner? You can't do that. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, is it? It's, it will be, obviously, they'll be tested before and after games. And like uh, like, like you said, right? Let's say after this match, Kane tests positive, De Gea tests positive, Pogba tests positive, and all of a sudden now you have major players in two teams out. Yeah. Are you going to treat it no, like an injury and be it. like, okay, yeah, they're injured, you know, it is what it is. It happens. Yeah. But now I don't have these people for two weeks or 10 days or whatever the restriction is these days. 
it's 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 a it's a weekly it's it's almost like a weekly monitoring job, isn't it? And, and a daily monitoring job to making sure that you know people are having the temperatures checked and and things. But I think that they wanted to finish the season. They're trying their best to get the season finished, and it looks like they'll they'll probably be able to do it. If something like that happens, God forbid, you know, players or several players pick up the virus, then. I don't really know what they'll do, but it looks, fingers crossed, like they'll, they'll get the season finished, certainly the Premier League season anyway. Well, here's also to opening travel restrictions because we've, uh, like I said, the sum- my, our summer has been messed up, man. I was supposed to come to Manchester. You were supposed to come to New York. So, <laughs> Wait, that, Mate, that, that should be the priority, shouldn't it? These, tra- these travel restrictions. Let's get these sorted and worry about the football afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Football's going to be on TV. I could watch it on the plane. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you say that about uh, the football. One of the, one of the, 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 the one, Gary never made a good point actually, and he said that with football, why do they make it like a mini World Cup where all the teams stay in certain hotels, don't go back and see their families? They've got a month to play all the Premier League games, and then it'll be done because there'll be stadium, hotel, stadium, hotel, training ground, maybe. And in a World Cup, that's basically what you've got. You've got your, your matches, your hotel. By playing games and then going back to your family after games, surely that's increasing the risk. And increasing the, the trouble and, and, the, and the problem and the risk of infection. So, you know, we're talking about other players getting it, but, you know, there's a strong possibility that that, that could happen. Certainly, you know, if they're going back to, the, to their families and communities and, and mixing with other people, it does seem a little strange. It is. And, and, and you'll have the, the skeptics that are telling you that the coronavirus isn't an issue. And you know what? It isn't an issue until you have somebody in your family that got it and passed away from it, then you start taking it seriously. It's it's one of those viruses where, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but once it hits somebody that you love, you start changing your perspective of it because it has killed a lot of people. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. But it's back. We have no choice. We get to watch it. So I'll, I'll And so, it will I'll, lift people, you know, all around the world. You know, let's hope that the, you know, safety... There's been a safe as a can. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. But you know, the lift it will give people to, to to watch something that's entertaining and entertain the mind. I think because you know you've got people who are out work and people who aren't allowed back into work at the moment for them to see some of their favourite sports stars playing uh, on a weekly basis can only, can only be positive. Providing, as we say, it, you know, we stick to the rules and, and and everybody stays safe. Also, providing that your team wins, because as a Spurs fan, I'm I'm waiting for more heartache than than I am. Yeah, uh, but mate, we've got next week. If we whichever one loses, we've got you know we've got a, a nice podcast to moan, haven't we, for half an hour? And I'm then in. Mourinho will be out. Solskjaer will be out. Pochettino <laughs> 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 will be going to United. All sorts will be going on. Yeah. All right. I'll get. Uh, uh, give me in thirty seconds. Pencil that in. Pencil that in for next week. No, it's going to happen. There's no discussion on this. But but let, give me a thirty seconds and a thirty second prediction on what's going to happen in the other game of the week: Arsenal versus City. Is it? Is it the Emirates? Is it? I believe. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it's not the Emirates. I, um, City will win. I mean, City are. Have Arsenal moved on? Um, since Arteta's been in place, it's slightly unfair because he's had even even less time than, than most managers this season. But I don't see anything other than a, than a Man City victory there. I think City and Liverpool, sadly, are so far ahead of, of everybody else that um, I can't see anything other than the City win. And then I fully expect Liverpool as well to, to wrap the league title up in in the next you know couple of games or whatever it is as well. I don't think they'll lose either. So. And then, the, then, then the real, then the real fight for the real title happens, which is the Champions League. Champions League's an interesting one. That's pretty wide open, actually. Yeah, 
Uh, he's pretty wide open, although I have a funny feeling that, I don't know, I think Atletico Madrid. They, they, their form is horrible everywhere else, except the Champions League this season. I just think they've got a chance. Love the balance they've got there twice before under Simeone. I just have a funny feeling. Don't know why. They won't be the favourites. They have beaten Liverpool, but I just fancy them to to, to, to get to the final at least. Well, I'm I'm going to make sure that this is uh, this is publicly known. You're you're you think Atletico Madrid are going to do it? Whatever you do, don't put your money on it because I'm always wrong. But I do have a funny feeling just for Atletico this year. I don't know why. Then you're going to be wrong about the one one, and we're going to nick it two one. Yay! Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. There you go. All right, man. Tom, next week, pencil it in. It's happening. I look forward to it. That's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you loved it like I did. Wait till Friday. We got more coming. Enjoy the games. We'll speak to you next time.